I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, hello, hello. It is the 19th of July, 2021, a Monday. No less. I'm Nadine Blaney here with the COB, the stuff you need to know about the day in business, markets, and startups. Also with David Scott. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very cold today. I don't know if it's blood flow or the fact we're in the depths of winter. It's because you, so you're trying to go and I conserve all your energy so you can go and splurge tonight with your pasta. <laughs> that is true. I'm really looking forward to, to that pasta tonight. But um, to the markets, uh, Look, it was not a great session for the local market, but, you know, if misery loves company, Asian shares all took a bit of a tumble down to a one-week low. Uh, again, we've got these, you know, there's fear. There's real fear, again, about coronavirus cases that are surging, no doubt, the less it appears to be less less sickening, less deadly Delta virus. But, uh, you know, this is not good no, it's a collision course when very, very rich valuations go and meet with uh, not-so-blue-sky outlooks. And uh, not surprising the slice that we're seeing a bit of weakness here. And you throw on top of that also, uh, I know, recent weeks as well, of course, RBNZ famously last week as well, uh, lots of people starting to talk about monetary policy easing being reversed ever so slowly. But I think that's maybe starting to go away on people's uh, you know, mindsets a little bit as well. Well, that's an interesting question because I spoke with Justin Tyler from Daintree Capital today. It's online on our website and our app. And he believes that these lockdowns in Sydney and Melbourne have now pushed the RBA out further. So not likely to hike until mid to late 2024. He just doesn't see the RBA being in any type of position, even with, you know, borders closed and migrants off the table and the impact of that that's espoused in terms of the jobs market, he just doesn't see it. Yeah, and if the RBA and through APRA go and target so no macroprudential uh, measures to go and cool the, hop, the property market, we've seen time and again the last couple of cycles, every time they've done that, it's had a big impact mm-hmm. on the other uh, broader economy. So I agree with Justin, I think it's, uh, it's far more likely we'll see the RBA move later and of course these uh, lockdowns, the uncertainty adds over uh, the top of things. Uh, certainly makes it uh, in no rush. But that's the great thing about it at the moment because whilst we're struggling and hopefully we can get out of it soon, uh, the flip side is that there are lots of places where it's reopening. Uh, it's, it's Freedom Day in the United Kingdom today. Yeah, uh, so parties pe- last night. Yeah, pe- people are going hard. They're probably still going to the clubs right now, hopefully doing it in a safe manner. And in the United States, I know particularly uh, I know eastern and western seaboard seem to be uh, opening back up. There's still obviously some COVID restrictions in place, but nowhere near as impacted as what it was in the past. So that brings forward the question, like, you know, we're going to start seeing the Fed. Nah, is it going to start to go and move a bit? So you're having this big policy divergence between mm-hmm. central banks, which makes it really interesting and it's going to create volatility. Volatility. Volatility is opportunity. So don't forget about that. I'll just run you through uh, the final figures for this local market. The XJO finishing at 7,286. That is a loss of 
Well, pretty close to nine-tenths of a percent, so that's a pretty poor performance coming through on the local market. And uh, as far as some movers, we saw uh, Deterra Resources. Oh, I'm going to start with the positive news. It was up after getting a price target revision by Goldman Sachs, up 24% to $5.10 per share, closed the day at $4.66. Polynovo did well, Elders did well, Domino's did well. Uh, on the flip side, though, we did see uh, Evolution Mining coming under a bit of pressure. Its price target was cut by Jefferies and Credit Suisse and uh, Morgan's, as well as Morgan Stanley and Macquarie. <laughs> and it was downgraded to underperform from neutral from Macquarie. Everyone, so everyone hates <laughs> evolution, so it's probably, it's probably time to buy. Yeah, that's why it was down by 8.3% today. Uh, listen, just a reminder that uh, that's how the market closed. And the close on ausbiz.com.au is brought to you by markets.com. So, Scotty... You know, if we could see a bit of volatility, more down days, potentially, you know, more record heights for U.S. markets in particular as well. Um, what does this mean, you know, as we look at the upcoming reporting season? I'm not going to get a lot of guidance, unfortunately. Uh, it's very difficult to go and guide in an environment such as this. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, we know that there's going to be uh, you know, a big cycling out. So we're going to see the top of the earnings cycle when it comes to that growth rates. Uh, so it really comes down to, you know, do those companies have confidence to go and uh, say that the strong uh, rebound that they're seeing is going to be maintained uh, mm -hmm. over the, uh, the coming financial year. And uh, those that can go and confirm that, I suspect, will do pretty decent. Those that uh, no, aren't willing to provide guidance. Uh, recent history suggests that they'll probably get punished. Yeah. Well, we've got a, an interview in the show notes you can access. It's Morgan's two stock picks for the August reporting season. So, yeah, lots talking about dividends um, that will come to fruition, most likely this time around, banks and miners in particular. Um, speaking of the miners, we're in peak quarterly production reporting season. We heard from Rio on Friday. That was a big disappointment. Um, I spoke with Peter O'Connor from Sean Partners today. He answers the question, is Rio now a buy, hold, sell? Big reports coming tonight from Valet. Big report coming from Anglo-American as well as BHP tomorrow. So he thinks that's going to give us some clarity on whether it's been supply or demand driving the iron ore price. Uh, you can listen to that interview to find out what uh, he thinks. Uh, but bringing it back to just the broader economic picture for Australia, Scuddy, I mean, iron ore prices have been such a gift to the government, particularly through this pandemic. Um, yeah. yeah. Whacked in the ass with a, with a feather, I think someone <laughs> described it. That's, a, that's what Australia's like when it comes to the luck sometimes. But I wrote, um, wrote a couple of months back around the time of the, uh, the federal budget that the fiscal wriggle room allowed by you know, providing very conservative iron ore price forecast. We know it's our uh, most valuable export item. And uh, right now is a time to deploy it. Now, this is not a Sydney-centric uh, common by any stretch, given what's going on here. Of course, we have Melbourne and Victoria in lockdown as well. State borders being closed, just to interrupt for a sec. It impacts everybody. It doesn't just impact those people in lockdown. Oh, no, it, it um, impacts the whole economy. Don't yeah. get me wrong. But uh, no, it's more acutely being felt at the moment uh, in those two jurisdictions. And I'm not going out and looking to be alarmist here, but uh, we're facing the biggest threat right now since the initial stages of that lockdown last year. If we don't get this right, we from a fiscal starting point and, uh, and provide support for, uh, for business and households, 
we'll be back at day dot. Uh, and that's not where you want to be doing after the amount of money we're spent. You want to go and capitalise on this, uh, this, this improvement we're seeing. And I'm not confident we're going to do that. I'm looking at the numbers each day here in New South Wales. Uh, I'm just not seeing any evidence that this is going to be anything but a prolonged, prolonged lockdown. I agree. And I, I just think oh, businesses have been tested. They hadn't come back from the previous round. I know that there was so much fiscal support provided and perhaps we called, you know, the bridge been crossed too soon because we didn't hadn't, you know, rolled out the vaccine quickly. It wasn't a race as we were told. And uh yeah, I think it's um it's tough this time around for yeah. for businesses. It's a huge risk, and particular SME components. Uh, no, yeah. probably probably not a bad thing for, uh, for some of the other uh, list of businesses that we talk about them program each day. But that consolidation of power is just going to be reinforced by this uh, this episode. That's uh, that's one facet that we've got to go and consider. No, but the the broader economic picture. Uh, I know there's support measures are being put in place, but it seems a bit haphazard. It's not as that, that uniformity that we saw last year. If this thing goes much longer here in New South Wales and we have another extension again, of course, uh, beyond what we're already talking about in Victoria, and, uh, yeah, that's that's half of Australia's GDP right there. That'll be under some kind of lockdown conditions. They need to act to go and save business in particular. Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully, you know, do the right thing, people. Get tested. Stay home. All the rest of it. You don't need to hear it from me. All right, we saw uh, stock of the day back on the call today. We've uh, recovered from Koshi's life-changing stock series that ran over the past couple of weeks. If you'd like to catch up with any of those picks, you can do so. Just catch up with those episodes of the call online. We always cover those life-changing stocks or stocks of the day right at the beginning of the program, so very easy to listen in on if you would like to do so. Well, today, the company discussed was IntelliHR. It saw new contracted businesses exceeding $1 million for the first time. Also looking for growth in the U.S., U.K., and Canada this financial year. So he spoke with Gaurav Sodhi, Kashi, I should say, from The Intelligent Investor and Nathan Samasandram from Deep Data Analytics. Let's listen in to what they had to say about IHR. The small business, only $60 million, and it was in the news a little while ago because Bevan Slattery, the, the modern-day tech prophet, he took a position and the and the share price just took off and since then it's, it's subsided a fair bit it doesn't hold a great deal of a, appeal to me at this stage but there's certainly nothing wrong with the result um it looks like a, 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 a quite a, a decent business um well led um got some interesting shareholder backing and the result was uh was quite impressive as well so look under different circumstances we might look at it but there's so many ideas around we really have to decide where to allocate time and, and what's the best bang for your buck. And I'm not sure this is it. That's perhaps right. The numbers are good. They're executing well. Um, the question would be, again, my background in running a tech firm, what you find is um, when it's a cost-based play, people rarely change. It's just not worth it for them. The, rate, you know, the, the amount of work you have to do to change systems is always tough. And HR is not the most exciting thing. And nobody really in HR wants to do anything to change any of the systems. So I think when you go into a, a tougher economic environment, it's going to get a bit harder. So I'm not chasing in this sector, um, but look, they seem to be doing quite well. So in that context, I think the growth story still plays out. If you like the growth story and you're there for the tech play, I think this one looks pretty good. And that was the view on IntelliHR from Gaurav Sodhi and Nathan Samasandram. Good guys, that. All right, uh, tomorrow, well, we don't really have anything of note 
in the U.S. tonight. It's the NHB Housing Market Index that we will get for the month of July. Great. We did see home builder sentiment following to a 10-month low in June. Here tomorrow, we get um, we get the weekly consumer confidence read from the ANZ. We also get the Reserve Bank Board meeting minutes, 11.30. I know you're hanging out for those, Scotty. Uh, yeah, be good to go and cure my insomnia. Uh, yeah, the world is moving so quickly, particularly here in Australia. So what the RBA was talking about uh, no, only two weeks ago is now not quite defunct, but... Uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of the things, including that uh, that tapering of asset purchases announced, uh, comes with an asterisk attached. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, from there, on Tuesday we get China's loan prime rates. Any data on China right now is of interest because we are seeing a bit of a slowing in that recovery there, and the PBOC doing its part to help negotiate that. Yeah. No. Uh, no change in the uh, medium-term loan facility rates uh, that were announced last week. Of course, we saw that RRR cut. Uh, on Friday, the week before that, uh, but no sign yet of, uh, of any additional easing coming through. So unlikely you're going to see that loan prime rate uh, either for the one or five year tenors change at this point. That's the key interest rate in uh, in China, in my opinion. Now it's the uh, the rate that all new and existing loans are set off. Uh, so the spread to that is what's important. So uh, no change at this point. Such a turn in terms of the Australian dollar. I just think it's worthwhile mentioning before we uh, before we go. So. Falling below that 74 US cent level today. Yeah. Imagine that. When we were talking 80, 80 cents plus not too long ago. Yeah, I turned um, my trades uh, in the money for the time being. And I, I turned cold on the Aussie a couple of months back now. But uh, yeah, I just look at the relativity, uh, particularly what's going on now. So the vaccine rollout has been a laggard by global standards. And we know that won't go into any information. That's definitely weighing on yields. So our yield advantage, which used to support the Aussie dollar, is now all but being erased. We don't have the big capital inflows coming in to go and support mm-hmm. mining infrastructure investment like we saw during the GSC. And the commodity prices are each their own, but I think that we're closer to the top than we are the bottom. Uh, so to me, that means that uh, the risks are much more slanted to the downside there. So put it all together, unless we get a big equity... Uh, Market recovery and sentiment really turns around about the uh, the global economy. Uh, the Aussie dollar might struggle from here. Okay, so corporate calendar tomorrow. We get a bit of an update on the Litton refinery from Empol Q2 update. I mentioned we get that BHP report, the quarterlies. Uh, Hub 24, we get a quarterly report from that company. And we get a traffic update for June from Sydney Airport for what it's worth. But, of course, Sydney Airport still in play. Yeah, I'd love to be using it more frequently than what <laughs> I've been doing recently, but uh, yeah, unfortunately. Oh boy, I haven't seen the inside of an airport. Anyways, not about us. Okay, let's uh, let's say goodbye, shall we, Scuddy? I'm off to have my pasta. What's on your menu? Uh, I think I'll probably get some uh, takeaway Thai, some, uh, probably some bok choy, uh, some uh, lamb, bit of chili. Sounds pretty good. Sounds good to me. I'll see you tomorrow. Sounds good. Bye.